Welcome to the Riverwood Chapel podcast. We're so excited you're here. Please check out our other content and video uploads at riverwoodchapel.org. Thank you. Well, good morning, Riverwood. It's good to be with you. I thought we'd start off with um, a sound. See if you can name that sound and put that, uh, identify what that is. Let's hear the sound. Ooh, yeah, everyone recognize that? Let's hear it again. Elevator, no, that is the, the airplane. I am your captain. I feel like I need to have pretzels here for the people in the front row. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of flying, uh, turbulence. Who, who loves flying? Like you love flying and you just can't wait to fly. Few people out there. But what I do love are airports. I love to see the uniqueness of all the different airports. And on this last trip that we took uh, on this mission trip, we were in three airports. The first one was Cleveland International Hopkins Airport. And so I had gone through security. There's a group of 16 of us. And uh, I'm kind of standing there, just kind of waiting for people. And the next thing you know, it's like this wall of aroma is now enveloping me. And right behind me is Cinnabon (laughs) and all of its cinemagic, strategically placed right there at the airport. Next airport we went to was Newark. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Nothing comes good out of New Jersey, what? (laughs) Anyway, we were flying in and you get great views of New York City as you're flying in. Um, The unique part about this airport is that we got to see it an extra time. Uh, On the way home, we had to deplane because of a cracked windshield in the cockpit. I don't even want to think about what happens at 30,000 feet if that happens. Um, But anyway, so that was Newark. And then finally, we went and flew into Santa Domingo. And so it is a great experience as you're flying, as you're seeing that those Caribbean waters, nice blue, a lot like Lake Erie. <laughs> and as you land and as you're walking through this airport, there are lots and lots of places to buy coffee. Santa Domingo coffee, and they're very proud of their coffee. And there's kiosks, you can drink it right there, the whole nine yards. Well, here's something that's we know true about airports. They are not places where we end up. They're not places that we live. They are temporary holding places of human beings. You come and you go. You come and you go. Nobody lives in an airport. We had a longer layover and you sit there and you watch. One crowd comes and they leave. They come and go, come and go. There is something very temporary about the airport. It's very fascinating to watch. Nobody makes their home at the airport. And that's what we're going to see in God's word today. In many ways, this is the metaphor we're going to see in the scriptures. For we, as God's people, we are people of the airport. Why do I say that? There is something very temporary about our lives here. And we are people who are moving on. Or this is not our home. And the character that's going to really bring this out and really teach this to, teach this to us is going to be Abraham. 
that there is something very unique about his story that is going to challenge our story and what we think about the lives we live and how we're living them and this idea of the airport. And so we're going to get ready. We're going to examine God's word. If you're newer to our church, a very special welcome. We, we have these booklets. They're simply just God's word with a lot of space to take notes and to write down questions. Uh, my hope is that God is going to speak to you in the next 27 minutes. That he's going to say something to you uh, that is going to challenge and transform you. And there's something that he might even want you to write down and explore further. That, that's what this is about. So let's, let's go to God's word. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, starting with uh, this, this um, definition. We're going to start with a definition because all week we've been talking, all series in this chapter 11, we've been saying, by faith, by faith. We've been looking at characters like Abel and Enoch and last week, Noah. By faith, they walk. And like, what is faith? Well, this is what we're talking about, that faith is present daily living, right? Right now, right where you're at. This is by faith, present daily living based on the confidence that God will fulfill his promises in the future because he has proven faithful in the past. Because of what God has done, that's very secure, he is pointing us to something that is way out there on the horizon that is very secure. And because of that, we live present day lives walking with him. That's the idea of faith that we've been seeing character by character. And now let's read about Abraham. In verse 8 of chapter 11, this is what God's word says. By faith, there it is again. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with them of the same promise. He was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. The writer is, is recounting the very well-known story from Genesis chapter 12. He's really under, he's, he's understanding that the listeners of this letter would have been very familiar with Genesis 12. For those of us who might not be as familiar, this is what Genesis 12 says about Abraham. He says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred, and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And so in the Genesis record, we learn that Abram, Abraham was a descendant of Shem living in the land of Ur when all of a sudden Yahweh asks him to simply go. A few days before we left on the mission trip, the 16 of us were having a meeting and we asked the question, like on a scale of one to 10, how like prepared, excited are you for this experience? And the numbers range from eight, like, let's get on the plane right now. I am ready. All the way down to like a two or three. 
Lots of hesitancy. I'm not quite sure. And as we explored, kind of like, what's the hesitancy? It wasn't based on what was going to happen. It wasn't based on the food that we were going to eat. It wasn't based on uh, the bathrooms. Uh, Talk to somebody who went on the trip. It's a little unique kind of toilet experience in the Dominican. It wasn't about the work. It wasn't about any of those things. The hesitancy revolved around one thing, leaving. Leaving is hard. Leaving job, leaving responsibility, leaving family, leaving even some of the the comforts of, of home. Leaving is the hardest part of going. But notice what's happening here in the text. For Abraham, it was even to a a whole other level of going. He says to Abram, I want you to go. And in the Genesis record, he makes it very clear. There's like three levels of this, just so he's very clear. I need you to go. You're going to first leave your country. All right. Um, Country is important in the ancient world. This is where you found protection in a people group as a nation. It was important. But God says, uh, you're actually going to be going away from the nation. Secondly, you're going to be leaving your kindred. That was like your neighborhood where you got all of your supplies and you grew food together and there was stability and the everyday needs You're going to be leaving that, okay? And I also need you to leave, notice what he said, your father's house. You're going to be leaving family, close-knit relationships. You're going to leave. All right, well, where is this plane headed, Yahweh? Notice what the answer is. I'm not going to tell you. What? That's right. Abraham did not know where this plane was going. God said, I need you to go. Get on the plane. Are you sure? Yeah, yes, I'm very sure. Get on the plane and go. And it's fascinating to watch in Genesis what happens, that Abraham Obeyed. He trusted Yahweh. Even when he didn't know where, it was, where he was going to go, all the things he was leaving behind, especially leaving the things that, and here's the hard part about leaving, is that we're leaving things behind that we like to control. They're familiar. I can work on all of the variables, and there's something that we have in that. And what God was doing with Abraham was saying, get on the airplane. You're not in control. I am. Are you willing to take that flight? And he was. How could he do this? Two words, the writer of Hebrews says, by faith. By faith, living his present life, he was now going to walk by faith. How could he do that? Things of the past that he knew to be secure. He knew the the creation record. 
He knew what had happened to, to Enoch. He knew the Abel story. He knew the Noah narrative. And he saw Yahweh's faithfulness that was secure. But then also, he also had a vision for the end. I mean, the, the really far end that talks about to a city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. He had a, a, a glimpse of that. And that is just as secure as the past was secure. And so because of these bookends, that God is the architect of the beginning and the architect of the end, he now could, by faith, get on that plane, even when he didn't know where he was going. There's this deeper issue of, of control that he was willing to give up, submission to the Lord, walking with him. These are, these are hard things. And even as you fast forward to the, the New Testament, Jesus knew how hard these things were going to be, and he spoke about them often. If you're going to link your life to God and his son, Jesus Christ, Jesus would remind us of this. In the, uh, the cost of following after him is very steep. You see, in this world, we have our, our bags packed, and now we are looking to him, and he's constantly telling his people to go, trust me, get on the plane. We're going to take a trip together, and on this trip, you're going to look more like me. Are you ready? In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus would say it this way. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. That's significant. Submission to him. Control given. I want to lose my life in Christ, for he is the only answer. In the Gospel of Mark, he would say it this way. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. Do you hear this? Deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? All right, let's pause here and ask him some more direct questions. Through his word, through the, the Abraham account, questions like this. What does God want you to leave? But what are you in control of? What are you connected to that is very earthly? Maybe it's hopes and dreams of, of what you want to see happen. Maybe it's something of your profession. Maybe it's something of some kind of uh, addiction. Maybe it's an unhealthy relationship. All these things that we, we harbor, we're controlling. What is he saying? You need to get on the plane and leave some stuff behind. What does he want you to do as a step of faith to walk with him? 
Maybe there's something of this world where he's saying, do you really want to gain the whole world and forfeit your soul? Is that really the exchange you want to have? Or do you want to get on the plane that's going with me? It's fascinating. We, we sang that we want from generation to generation to God show his favor. And his favor is knowing you. It isn't in the American dream and bigger houses and faster cars and all of that. No. May his favor be upon you. And his favor is knowing you and having you get on his plane and take off. Where's it going? I don't know. But I know the one who's in control. That's what Abraham teaches us. We get on the plane following after our God. And we trust him with everything, our families, our professions, our time, our talent, our gift, everything. It's his. Get on the plane and see where he's going to take you. All right, so part one is about God saying, go. Next, I want to unpack what we learn from Sarah, his wife. There's a very interesting narrative that's a part of this. Picking up in verse 11 in Hebrews, it says this. By faith, here's another by faith character, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. Hebrews, the, the writer of Hebrews is reminiscing about a story recorded from Genesis chapter 18. If you remember, Sarah was not able to have children, and so she, in her own power, was trying to control the situation. I can't conceive, and so let me figure it out. Okay, um, Hagar, the maidservant, come over here. We have a plan. And so she was controlling the narrative. But eventually then this happened. Going back to Genesis, listen to this, chapter 18. They said to him, where's Sarah, your wife? And he said, she's in the tent. And the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. And now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. And so Sarah laughed to herself saying, am I worn out and my Lord is old? Shall I have pleasure? And the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? And then these words, is anything too hard for the Lord? After spending a lot of time in the Newark airport, we finally get on the plane, and then eventually we get off the plane and wait for a long time to get a new plane. And so by the time we're now heading back to Cleveland, it is like 1.30 in the morning. All of us are like, 
half asleep and dozed off. And, and here's the, the deep thought that I had at 1.30 on this plane. The deep thought goes something like this. There is nothing I can do to not end up in Cleveland. There's, there's nothing I can do. I am now on this plane, and I might want it to go to Tampa. I would, might want this plane to go uh, to Jamaica, but there is nothing I can do. Here I am. I am in submission to this airplane that is flying me to the wonderful, cloudy existence of Cleveland. Sarah was trying to go to a different place. She, she didn't want to go to that destination. And she said, okay, how can we go somewhere else? All right, Hagar, come over here. And again, control, 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 control. And in the midst of all of that control, Yahweh steps in and says, this is where you're going. This is where you're going. That's impossible. Why am I going there? Is anything too hard for Yahweh? And what Sarah has been teaching me is that there are moments in our lives where God puts us on planes and he says, this is where you're going. And quite honestly, there are moments where I'm very pleased where he flies me. And then there are other moments I look and I wonder, why am I going there? When I look at trials and tribulations and things, I'm like, why did he put me on this flight? And in the midst of that, he's whispering to me saying, I got it. You want to control everything, I know. But this is where you are going. This week, a good friend um, had a terrible accident. The details are out there about him and he's skiing. And next thing you know, it's... Life-altering details are now affecting him. His life will be different from now on. And I, I look at that story, and, and in the quiet moments, I ask God very hard questions. Why did you put him on that flight? Why is he flying there? Don't you know? And the Lord's been whispering to me, is anything too hard for me? And his, his faith is strong. His grace is sufficient for me. He keeps being the refrain. The Lord is good. These are the words from his mouth. And I'm thinking to myself, what, what? This is the very definition of faith. 
walking with him where he's asking you to go? What has he placed in your life? What flight are you on? And you're thinking, oh, no, not this flight. I mean, there are lots of flights that are very joyous. And we're like, yes, God, you are so good. But what about the flight that's headed to some kind of hard story? And it could be from joblessness to scary health reports to dysfunction in your family, to a marriage that seems like this is going nowhere. The flights he has us on are hard. I can see it on the faces of the people here. I've been here 23 years. I know the pain that exists right here in this room right now. I know there's pain, and you're wondering, why did I get on this flight And there are many in this room God has protected and he has walked with. And in the midst of that flight, you're becoming more like him. And that's the goal of the flight. All right, so Abraham teaches us something about God's people who are commanded to go. And leaving is always the challenge and control Sarah teaches us something about going and accepting and embracing and walking with him in the midst of that are hard. Both of these are by faith conversations of go and this is where you are going. But the question I want to answer in the last minutes here is how do you do this? How? How is it even possible? I mean, I hear this by faith, by faith stuff, but is there more to that? It's interesting, the the writer of Hebrews shifts in verse 13 to a summary of sorts. And these next four verses are like a key to unlock some of this. And this is really important. God's going to speak something to you in these verses. Notice what he says. These all died in faith. He's talking about Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Sarah not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. They're walking by faith, present daily living, based on the confidence that God will fulfill his promises in the future because he has proven faithful in the past. And all of them have been walking in this, first of all, this rootedness of the past, They reminded themselves of the words of Yahweh. They had seen the stories. They had heard them from one another. Yes, there is a rootedness that then could launch them to a secure future that's out there. Not right away, but it's out there. A a, a homeland, a home, home, 
out there in the place where there is a city that its foundations are designed by Yahweh himself. That's what they were, had glimpses of and they were yearning for. So that in the here and now, look at what's, what's happening. There, there, is, there is something very significant they are doing. They are acknowledging. Acknowledging. You see that word? They are acknowledging. What are they acknowledging? This is a word of, of declaration. We declare. We acknowledge. What are they declaring to help them in the here and now? This is what they're declaring, that they are strangers. They're exiles. They're living in a very temporary airport called this life. Their deep roots of home are out there in my father's house where there's many rooms. But right here, right now, they have declared that they are exiles. Temporary residents. I truly believe this is how short-term missions can really play a great role Uh, asset to the church. I encourage everyone to go because it's that short slice of life where you do feel like a stranger, an exile. You pack light, uh, you go. You're in a foreign country sometimes. People aren't speaking the same language and you feel very much out of your element. But here's what I have seen over and over and over again, that when those moments happen in short-term times, people step out and do things they've never done before. It's beautiful to watch. They step out by faith, and they're talking to people, and they're working, they're, they're serving. It's so unique. It's a slice of being in exile, being a stranger. But here's what the Lord has placed on my heart this time going to the Dominican Republic It's easier to be a stranger and an exile in a foreign country. But what the Lord has been saying to me, he's saying this. He's saying, Cole, I want you to be a stranger and an exile in Kent, Ohio. I want you to be a stranger right here. This is not your home. We're not building American dreams here. We're not making comfortable lifestyles here. That's not what it's about. That's so temporary. Fix your eyes on the end and trust me. Trust me. And this is exactly what I've learned from my friend who was in this horrible accident. He's been teaching me this from afar as I've been watching him. And I'm like, how do you do this? He's in exile. He's a stranger. This is not his home. And he knows it. And he's reminding me of that truth that the writer of Hebrews is trying to teach all of us. This world is not our home. What is the Lord challenging you to consider? Is it something about Abraham that says, go, trust me, Leave those things behind that are 
hanging on to you? Is it something about Sarah that says, this is the plan instead. Are you going to trust me in the midst of this? Walk by faith, not by sight. We are people of the airport just passing through. And the prayer is that we are becoming more like him every flight we take. As we look to the big board and he says, I want you on that plane, are we looking more like him from flight to flight, from year to year? That's what he calls his people to. I'm going to pray for us because we're about to have another moment of declaration together around this table. But let's pray before we do. Dear God, we give you thanks for your word to us. And I confess that there are many moments where I'm trying to make this my home. Many moments where I'm trying to to complain or why is this happening? I pray that you would help me. I pray you'd help all of us in this journey of Christ-likeness to realize that you want our eyes fixed on you, the author and perfecter of not just our faith, but also of the very, very end of this narrative that is a promise that we can cling to. And so, Lord, we just give you thanks, and I pray that your word that has the ability to pierce to deep levels would do that kind of work in us this morning. Thank you. We pray this in your son's name. Amen.